Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Before I minister the word of the Lord, I want to pray a specific prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we're in your presence right now, and we're asking, God, that you would speak to us from your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that for some you would remove the cloud of ignorance and, and lacking of knowledge, Lord Jesus. Let clarity from your word shine forth uh, so that we can operate in your blessings, Jesus, uh, and have everything, Lord God, that you have set aside for us. Uh, we are your children, Lord God. We're a part of Abraham's promise through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray that today as we hear the word of the Lord that it would be more than just another lesson or another sermon, Lord God, but begin to transform lives through the transforming power power of the word of God. Open our hearts to understand, Lord Jesus. Uh, give us energy, Lord God, to be engaged in what's happening in this place uh, and let your will be done, Lord. And we promise that we're going to give you the praise. Oh, Jesus, we're going to give you the glory and the honor, Lord God. We're going to give it up to you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, let your will be done, Lord God. Let your will be done on earth uh, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Oh, God, I'm ready. Anybody ready to hear the word of the Lord and let God speak to you today? Amen, amen. God bless you and you may be seated. A few months ago, some of you may or may not know my youngest or my middle daughter, Brooklyn, uh, had surgery on her eyes to correct a, um, I can't remember the name of it, but her one eye was pulled off to the side. And uh, during the correction process before she was uh, um, sent to a specialist, she went to see her pediatrician, her doctor, who's a very, very nice guy, who's also the pediatrician for um, my other girls as well, is named Dr. Who, H-U. Uh, but it was an interesting conversation that I had with Brooklyn as we left the hospital. And she said, I like that doctor. What's his name? And I said, who? <laughs> she said, my doctor. What's my doctor's name? His name is who? Who? And it was pretty interesting as I was trying to explain that the doctor's name was actually who. Because it reminded me of something that I saw when I was a kid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, this uh, exciting thing that uh, I saw when I was a kid. Sarah, is there any way we could look at that right now? This uh, little clip of uh, something called Who is on First? Anybody remember this? Let's see if we can watch this. Oh, yeah, now you know what we're talking about.
All right, that's good. <laughs> you guys want to keep watching, didn't you? Amen. So the title for our, our uh, message, your time together today, is Who is on First? And that's the question that we want to ask. Who is on first in your life? Who is first place in your life? Now, you've heard before the cliche, first things first, right? You've ever heard that before? And there's a lot of truth in that saying that it's important to take care of first things first. Uh, and we're talking about living a blessed life. That's what this series that we've been preaching and teaching is about living a blessed life. And in order to live a blessed life, you've got to take care of first things first. We shared with you before in Scripture the priority of possessions and money in Scripture. In fact, there are over 2,000. Think about that. In, that, in your Bible, there are 2,000 verses that deal with money or possessions. So it is a priority in our life. It is a priority in the mind of God. And also, uh, money is a true test as well. It shows what our priorities are, what our loyalties are, what our affections are. It is revealed by how we handle money. Your priorities in life could be discerned if someone had access to your checkbook register or your debit account because uh, a, lot, a lot of people, younger people, don't use checks anymore as much. Debit account or your credit card, it would reveal what your priorities and loyalties and commitments are in life. So first things first, the first principle to grasp if you're going to understand giving and pleasing God is a principle which the Bible refers to as first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Say first fruits. Okay, this is the principle that you've got to get. This is also known as the principle of the firstborn or the principle of the tithe in Scripture. Now, frankly, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of misunderstanding and people who are operating in ignorance about the subject of tithing and first fruits. Now, I want to encourage you at this point, do not turn me off and say, Pastor, I've heard all this before. I've heard the whole tithing thing before. What I want to share with you today from the Word of God in very clear, picturesque language is the life-changing principle and the liberating truths uh, that go with the first fruits or the firstborn principle. Now, I know I've uh, experienced it in my own life before that whenever God is ready to communicate truth to me, it seems like the enemy always knows it. Whenever God's ready to give something to me that's life-changing, the enemy knows that something is up. He's a strategizer, right? He's an observer. He knows what's happening. And he used what the Bible calls fiery darts, uh, which are not literal darts that you're sitting in church and all of a sudden, ow, good night. I guess the devil doesn't want me to hear, oh, my leg. These fiery darts are things that thoughts that come into our mind that keep us from receiving what God has for us. And there's a seed that's going to be sown through the Word of God today that I'm praying that you will allow to germinate in your spirit. There's an important financial principle called the law of or the principle of first fruits. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, I want to read from the King James Version. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, 
it is mine. God says the firstborn belongs to me. The NIV translation of that same verse says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. So God is plainly declaring in this passage that the firstborn belongs to him. Has everybody got that? Is that clear enough? The firstborn is his. In fact, throughout the word of God, there are 16 different times where God declares that the firstborn belongs to him. It's his. Amen. The firstborn belongs to God. For example, Exodus chapter 13 verse 12 says that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix and every firstling that cometh of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck and all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. It's vital to live the blessed life. You must understand this principle, the principle of the firstborn. Here's the principle right here. Principle of the firstborn is real simple. It is. The firstborn must either be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what we just read. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. In the Word of God, there is no third option. The firstborn is to be sacrificed or redeemed. Are we in agreement with that based on the word of God? We can tell that point here. The firstborn is to be sacrificed or redeemed. This is a critical principle of God. Follow with me right now because this is why this is so important. The most important and significant doctrine of the word of God has to do or was unveiled when Jesus approached Jordan where John was baptizing. Remember that story? John is baptizing in the river Jordan and Jesus begins to approach. And as John sees Jesus approaching in the distance, he says some very significant words. And those words are, look, or in King James language, behold. We don't use that term very much. You know, when we see, hey, there's a, there's a, a MiG fighter jet flying through. We want our kid to see, behold, look at the MiG flyer. We say, look. So that's what John was saying. Look, there is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The whole Bible is focused around this one principle that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. And when John spoke that, he perfectly defined the role that Jesus was going to fulfill. Everything that happened, every sacrifice that was given, every lamb that was slain, every goat and turtle dove that was slain, every sacrifice of the Old Testament was pointing toward the cross where Jesus Christ would be sacrificed. Everybody say sacrificed. sacrificed. The Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten son so jesus was god's firstborn amen? amen jesus was god's firstborn or his only begotten son and the one thing that we learned from the time we were little everybody learned this is that jesus is perfect right he's the only person who ever lived that never committed a sin 
right? Everybody with me? So he was the firstborn and he happened to be clean. See, the Bible says if your firstborn is clean, you sacrifice it. If the firstborn is unclean, you redeem it. So Jesus, as God's firstborn, was to be sacrificed. Now what about you and me? Were we clean or unclean? Unclean. The Bible says all people have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The law said the firstborn was clean. It's to be sacrificed. So Jesus, as God's firstborn, was sacrificed. Come on, you got to wake up because we're going to hear something life-changing today. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Stay with me. Are you with me? You guys still with me? Hallelujah. It's going to change your life if you get this. Jesus Christ was the firstborn. He was sacrificed. And he was sacrificed as the clean for the unclean. Jesus Christ was sacrificed. Have you ever heard this before? To redeem us. We were redeemed by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. He bought us back for God. Everybody got that? He bought us back for God. So Jesus, the Lamb of God, the man Christ Jesus, was God's first fruit offering or God's understanding of the principle of the firstborn. So in a spiritual sense, Jesus Christ is God's tithe. It is the first fruit that was given. Jesus was God's tithe because the tithe is what is given first. Now here's the principle that you've got to understand is that tithe must be given in faith. You may not understand that now, but you will. And that's where the blessing is, is when the tithe is given in faith. And that's why it was an act of faith. The Bible says in the book of Romans that uh, uh, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He had no proof that we were going to change. He had no proof that we were going to repent. He had no proof that we were going to give our life to Him. But in faith, He gave the first fruits in hope that it would redeem the rest. Amen. Amen. Jesus was given, the body of Christ was broken and offered as a sacrifice while human beings were still mocking Him and spitting and slapping Him. And so the principle of first fruits is this. We have to give our first fruits, our tithe, in much the same way, in faith, before we see the blessing of God. Jesus was given before the church was established, before human beings begin to follow after God and give Him their life. God understood the principle, the Old Testament principle, alive in the New Testament, the principle that will never die, the principle of first things. God gave His only begotten Son in faith, believing for a return. Jesus was the first fruits offering. He is the firstborn. The Bible calls Him the first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. You're going to learn some things you never knew before. Verses you read you didn't understand. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus Christ is 
the first fruits. But look at 829. I love this passage. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. For whom he did foreknow, me also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So that he, Jesus Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus is God's firstborn. But today we're sitting in this house today as sons and daughters of God. Because Jesus made it possible by his redemptive work of the clean being sacrificed, the rest of us are redeemed. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what you shall be. But there's no way you could be a son of God had the first fruit not been sacrificed. Had the first fruit not been clean and perfect, then it would not have worked. But God gave Jesus before there was a church in faith believing that he was going to be the first of many sons. You guys getting it? The first of many sons. Remember the story in the Old Testament of the Passover, the first Passover, the death of the firstborn. The angel of judgment passed through Egypt and the firstborn in every household perished. Everybody know that story? People say, why, why did God kill all those people? God had a legal right to each of those firstborn. To the firstborn are mine. It's the Lord's. The firstborns belong to the Lord. But in the houses of the Israelites, the firstborns didn't die that night. You know why they didn't die? Because a lamb was sacrificed to redeem them. A lamb was given to redeem them. And the same is true for us today. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost both sides and on the top to redeem the firstborns in the house but you and I have been redeemed by the divine blood of Jesus applied to our life by faith through baptism as the scripture declares amen amen that's good news everybody so the whole principle of the word of God is rooted in this concept that we see in the Old Testament the concept of the firstborn the first always belongs to God. I want you to repeat that. The first always belongs to God. First always belongs to God all throughout the Bible. So we have the opportunity to give him the first of our time, the first of our finances. And this is what tithing is about. Tithing is not just about giving God 10%, but tithing is about giving our first to God. We are saying, in essence, God... I'm going to give you the first and trust you to redeem the rest. When I give you the first, I believe that you have the power and I can trust you to redeem the rest. See, when the firstborn in the flock was given, that little female lamb reached the point where it could birth children. The first uh, lamb came forth. And when the lamb came forth, the first one was offered to the Lord as a sacrifice or redeemed if it was unclean. There was no guarantee how many lambs in the future were going to be produced from this lamb. God didn't say, once the lamb has produced ten, give me the tenth. God said, give me the first. See, it requires faith to give God the first. 
you have to say, I believe that God's going to take care of the rest. And many Christians never experience the blessing of tithing because they don't understand the principle of first fruits. It really means giving to God before you see if you're going to have enough. This is why it's faith. If I wait to see that I have enough and then give God what's left over, there's no faith in that, is there? But when I give first to God and believe that He's going to redeem the the rest, then I am operating in faith. Amen. It requires faith to give God the first. By tithing, we are saying this. God, I recognize that you are first in my life. And I'm trusting you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. See, I want you to get this because tithing is so, big S-O, important. Because it is the primary way we acknowledge that God is first in our life. It is the way, the primary way. So this is the point I want you to capture right now. The first portion is the redemptive portion. Not the tenth, not the third. The first is the redemptive portion. That's why Jesus was offered as redemption. So when we give God, or give the first to God, the rest is redeemed. In other words, another way of looking at this, we come to church on Sunday because it is the first day of the week. And we are giving the Lord the first of our time. Amen? When does your week begin? Some people perceive their week beginning on Monday. Because the most important thing to them is their earning. Uh Uh-huh. Money. Some people see the week as beginning on Friday. Because we're going to party and have fun and get away from it all. Because the number one thing in their life is recreation. But a child of God must realize that my week starts on Sunday. And I'm given the very first of my time to God. I've come to worship Him. I've come to serve the body of Christ. I've come to be a part of what God is doing in our midst. Because God is first in my life. Amen. Hmm. Interesting. This is why I won't miss worship for work or for recreation. Because I'm giving my first to God. It's my priority. The first of my week belongs to Jesus. And then I'll let him redeem the rest. Hallelujah. And then I'll let him take care of the rest. I'll let him handle the rest. Are you willing? Are you trusting enough to give God the first? It is, in fact, a matter of the heart. Amen. Now, the Bible talks about the firstborn. We've read the scriptures, a couple of the 16 scriptures. But the Bible also talks about first fruits. This is an principle. principle. First fruits also must be offered. Firstborn and first fruits. Let's look at what the Bible says in Exodus 23. It says, The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God, Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. The first part of that scripture. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. I want you to notice that it 
doesn't just say the first fruits, but it says the first of the first fruits. You guys getting the point yet? God must be first. The first of the first fruits. The first portion of the harvest. The first grapes that ripen. The first of the grain that is ready. God says, bring it to me. But shouldn't we wait to see if we have enough first and then bring to you? God says, no, the first that ripens, the first that's ready, bring it to me. Hmm, that's what I'm talking about when I say it takes faith. To believe I'm giving God the first. Is the rest going to survive? God says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Is the rest going to be all right? God says, I'll bless it. I'll redeem it. Amen. But if you use the first, then you're on your own. Amen. But when we give the first to God, we're trusting him. By saying, number one, God, you're first. But number two, I believe you're going to take care of the rest. Can I get an amen if you believe the word? It says, the, the first of the first fruit shalt thou bring into the house of the Lord thy God. I want you to notice the Bible says bring it into the house of the Lord. And when the Bible talks of tithing, it always says bring it to the storehouse, the house of God, or the house of the Lord. Never one time does it say give it wherever you want to give it. The first fruits are not to be given to a television ministry or to a missionary. We want to give to these vital ministries. But the first fruit, the Bible says, is to be brought into God's house. Anything we want to give beyond that, we can give wherever the Spirit of the Lord leads us. But we bring the first fruits into God's house. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So thy barns be filled with plenty, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. It says, if you honor the Lord with the first fruits of all thine increase, then your barns are going to be filled with plenty, and your presses are going to burst forth with new wine. Now what is meant by increase? Now during Bible times, we know what it says... uh, Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of all thy increase. What is increase? In the Bible days, the increase meant the crops that were harvested or the livestock that was produced. That was the increase. If you had four lambs at the beginning of the year, God gives you three new ones. The three new ones are your increase. Everybody got that? Whatever you sow into the ground when it brings forth harvest, whatever God brings forth by way of harvest is the increased. So back in those days, it was the fruit of the ground or the animals. But today, you may be a business owner, or you may be a lawyer, or you may be a teacher, or you may be a construction worker, and your increase comes in those ways. Whatever the Lord prospers you with, whatever the Lord blesses your efforts with, amen? Amen. Amen. You say, well, hey, that, that doesn't belong to God. It's just, it's something that I worked for. You think these people in the Old Testament didn't plant their crops? Just go out one day, hey, look, a bountiful harvest. Praise the Lord. Thank you. No, they worked for it. And God blessed it and gave them the increase and the first fruits of their increase. So no matter how it comes, we are to honor the Lord with the first fruits of our increase. And the Bible says, if you do this. Anybody found this to be true? Anybody believe the word of God? If you do this, your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. I want you to remember as well, when God's people went into the promised land, they crossed over Jordan's stormy tide, 
following Joshua into the promised land. And the first territory that they took was a city called... The first territory that they took was a city called... Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Into the promised land, first thing they do, they're at the walls of Jericho. First thing. Everybody say first. God's instructions to Israel was... Once the walls of Jericho fell, they were not to keep for themselves any of the spoils. Hey, but we've been in the wilderness for a long time. Bonanza, look at this city walls fall down. All this gold and beautiful garments and all this great stuff. God says, don't take any of it for yourself. Don't put any of it in your house. See, Jericho was the very first city conquered in the promised land and the first fruits belong to God. Amen. The first fruit belongs to him. And, and God said, bring it all into my house. And they were allowed to have the spoils of all subsequent cities that they conquered. But Jericho was the first. It belonged to the Lord. The first always belongs to God. Come on, somebody. The first always belongs to God. God didn't say conquer ten cities and give me the spoils of the tenth. He said give me the first in faith. Could be the only city you conquer, but when you give it to God, God says I'm going to bless the rest. I'm going to redeem the rest. So it took faith in God to take all the gold and silver and garments from that first city, Jericho, and give it to God. But it's interesting because there was a man named Achan in Scripture that took some of it for themselves, for himself. God said, it's mine. He said, I want to keep it for myself. When he took this for himself, these goods, which verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 19, called consecrated, when they're taken and used for ourselves, they are called accursed in verse 18. The same thing that's to be consecrated becomes a curse. Think about this. When the spoils of Jericho were given, they were consecrated for the house of God. But when the first fruits were taken by a man to use for himself, it cursed Israel's efforts to take the promised land. And so they went to the next place in Ai and they were unable to take the city and they lost a lot of men because they didn't redeem the first. When you redeem the first, and, and God said, take care of it. And when they took care of it, then they went on to have victory after victory and conquer city after city in the promised land. But you've got to take care of the first fruit first and do the right thing with the first fruit. And understand, it takes faith to give the first. But when you do it in faith, God can then bless and honor it. Amen. So the idea with the first fruit or the tithe throughout all the Bible is it is either consecrated or it's accursed, consecrated, or cursed. It's one or the other. It's not any middle ground there. The tithe is consecrated to the Lord for His house. And when we take it for ourselves, it becomes a curse because it is stolen. Stolen. You really believe that? Like, I don't know about that part of the Bible. Malachi 3, 8, 9. You have robbed me. You stole from me. Why? Because you took the tithe. Therefore you are cursed with a curse. That's what it says. I didn't make it up. I didn't put it in there. That's what it says. You're cursed with a curse. If you keep it in your house, then it becomes cursed. That's why my only words are, get it out of my house. Get it out of my house. Get it out of my house. When my wife and I were uh, traveling in evangelistic ministry, at this point in my life, I have the tithes taken out 
before, uh, before anything. It just happens uh, clerically. It's done. It's done. But at that point in my life, we received checks, and we were far away from home. And so the checks would pile up, and we would become forgetful. We always had a ledger and planned to give the tithe, but it would get bigger and bigger and bigger. The amount would get bigger and bigger. The money was never spent always in the account. But I remember whenever things would start to go south, or you've heard me say this before, truck starts running rough, or babies get sick. I'm like, honey, do whatever. Right now, go buy a stamp, put a check in the envelope, and get that out of our trailer. That's not our money. That belongs to God. And I want it to be consecrated. I want it to be blessed. Amen? That's, that's the whole principle of tithe. It says it belongs to the Lord. It is His. Amen. So the firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. God does not change. He must still be first. This is not a law, but an unchanging principle established by an unchanging God. In fact, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first story in Scripture. Adam and Eve. Did you know there was tithing in Eden? In a sense, there was tithing in Eden because God said, you can have all of this except one. This one is mine. And it was a test from the very beginning. Do I trust God? Do I believe Him when He said, this is mine? And there are eternal principles throughout God's Word, and tithing is clearly one of them. I shared this with you uh, at the beginning of our sermon series. I've heard pastors say this. It's true. I've seen it in my own life. I've observed people. The testimony of the tither is always the same. It is. I'm blessed. God blesses me. I'm talking about the two, true tither. I'm not talking about somebody that puts an offering in and calls it a tithe. A true tither, a person that gives the first tenth of all their increase. They say, I am blessed. And every person who is a non-tither that attends church has the same testimony. Same. Not the same as the other people, but the same as all the other non-tithers. And it is this. I can't afford to tithe. Are you guys getting the point here? You can't afford to tithe. Or I am blessed. You know, my dad told me this. My dad pastored for 36 years. 36 years. He said in 36 years of pastoring, he's had many people from the assembly come to him asking for him to help pay a, uh, pay a gas bill, turn the lights back on, get some groceries in the house. Many, many times. But never one time during his pastoral ministry of 36 years has he had a tither come in need of assistance. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? It works. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. In fact, I think Forrest Gump could figure it out probably. It's pretty simple. I'm going to tie. That's all I got to say about that. You like my sport coat? Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3 says, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Look at this scripture. And Abel who also brought of the firstlings. Everybody say firstlings. That's the firstborn. 
of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. Have you ever asked this question before? Why did God respect Abel and not Cain? The obvious first answer is blood sacrifice versus non-blood sacrifice. But did you notice in that scripture, pull that scripture if it's still up there. The Bible makes a point to say that Abel brought, go back to uh, verse number four if you can skip back. Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock. Look at verse three. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground in the process of time. He did not, it, 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 if he had brought the first fruits, it would have said the first fruits. Because it took the effort to say Abel brought the firstlings of the flock. But Abel brought the firstlings. Cain just brought in the process of time an offering that was not the first fruit. The Bible makes this point. He, Cain just brought fruit of the ground, not the first fruit. God is always first. Even 2,500 years before the law, Cain and Abel are here and learning this principle. Cain's offering was in the process of time. He finally got around to offering an offering. The difference is in the attitude about God and giving. Abel says, God is first. I'm giving him the first fruits. Cain says, I'm giving him something, aren't I? Eh? You should be happy, God. I brought you some stuff. It's an attitude. Abel says God is first. And he shows it by his actions and by his attitude. God has favor on Abel's offering and rejects the offering of Cain. Amen. So God is looking at our hearts when we give. And when we heartily, cheerfully give the first fruits, our tithe, in faith, believing God's going to take care of the rest, God receives and respects that offering. Tithe is our first fruits. Tithe must be first. The Bible is clear on this matter. You guys getting it yet? Leviticus chapter 30, uh, 27 and verse 30 says, this is the whole basis, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the first fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. It's the Lord's. The tithe is the Lord's and it is holy to him. Just like first fruits, just like the firstborn, it says it belongs to the Lord. And just like these other two, tithe is first. This is the principle. The tithe must be brought first. Scriptural principle of the tithe being brought first. Everybody got that? Now I've got something, a little illustration to show you. I have $1 bills. I have 10 of them. I would have used $10 bills, but I didn't have a $100 bill to start with. There are $10 right there. Okay, I got a couple questions I want you to observe and think about with me. This is your paycheck. This is your money that you've received. These $10. My first question is, how much of this money is the tithe? 
One dollar. Right? Everybody understand that? The word tithe means tenth. Okay? Now we think tithe is a type of offering we give in church. Tithe is an old-fashioned word that simply means tenth. The tenth. One-tenth of all I possess or all I'm blessed with, I will give all that the Lord increases me. I will give to the Lord. So here's the important principle that I want you guys to get is I can't tear one of those dollar bills in half or break it up into four quarters and give God 50 cents and say that I'm giving God the tithe. Everybody got that? I may be giving an offering, but I'm not returning the tithe to God because the tithe is 10%. Everybody with me on that? Tithe means a tenth. I remember one time someone, uh, actually more than once, someone has given me a suggestion, you know, uh, things are tied or we need something new in the church. Pastor, why don't you ask the people to give more tithes? And uh, I realized, sadly realized that the person does not understand the principle of tithes. They don't understand the scriptural principle of tithing and they're being destroyed through a lack of knowledge. Okay? See, there's two problems with that statement. Pastor, why don't we have people give more tithes? The first problem is the Bible never says that we give tithes. The Bible always says we bring or return the tithe. Do you understand? Now, I'm not saying you don't get all semantical and politically correct and say you don't give tithes, but the point is the principle, the way of thinking. We can't give more tithes because we're not giving tithes. We're returning them. Brother Francisco, if I let you use my car for the week and at the end of the week you bring it back to me, do you walk in and say, empty, no gas in it? Do you, do you walk up and say, hey, I'm going to give you a car today? It's like, thanks, bro. That's really sweet of you. And then I get out in my car that I lent to him. No, he would say, I'm returning it to you or I'm bringing it to you. So the idea of asking people to give more tithes on the first, uh, right on the top there, it's messed up because you don't give tithes, you return it or bring. Why? Because it belongs to God. The tithe is the Lord's. You return it to Him. Everybody got that? The tithe is the Lord. I return it to Him. And when Scripture, when it ever talks about tithing, it never says giving. It says bring or return. Offerings, on the other hand, are given or offered. Offerings are what we, uh, it all belongs to God, but God says this is yours. And you say, I want to give it to you or to your kingdom or to somebody. But tithes are brought or returned. So that's the first problem. The second problem, why don't we have the people give more tithes? There's, you, you can't give more tithes. The tithe is the tithe. Right? You can't give more tithes. You say, why don't you have the people see if the people would give more offerings? But you can't give more tithes. 10% is 10%. Right? Everybody got that? 10% is 10%. I got a practical suggestion for you if you guys are listening right now. My practical suggestion is don't call it tithes unless you give 10% when you get paid. Not arousing amen. But it's truth. Tithe is 10%. Because the problem is, if I say I'm tithing and I'm not giving 10%, in a sense, I am lying. I'm saying, God, this is my tenth and I've only given 4% or 3%. That's a lie. 
Remember in Scripture when Ananias came to God with their offering? Hey, they didn't have to give an offering, but they gave an offering. The problem was they lied to the Holy Spirit. So practical suggestion, if you're not giving 10%, don't call it tithe. Just put it in as an offering. You guys with me? Because you either tithe or you don't tithe. It's not a halfway thing. Amen. <laughs> you guys getting it? This is a life-changing principle. I mean, this is something that when you get a hold of it, this is the pathway, the first step, the first things first of blessings. So when you market tithe on your envelope, it needs to be 10% of your income. Otherwise, it's just an offering. I know some of you in the past, you have done it in ignorance. You didn't do it maliciously. You didn't realize that you were, in a sense, lying because you didn't understand what tithe meant. Tithe means 10%. But in the future, I recommend that if you're just tipping God, don't call it tithing. Right? Ouch! See, because here's the deal. I tip somebody because I think they're doing a good job serving me. But I tithe because I believe it's God's and I'm returning it to Him. And I believe He's going to redeem the rest. I believe He's going to take care of the rest. Amen? I may seem a little bit direct today, but I am sick and tired of watching the enemy have his way with your finances. Uh-huh. I've had enough of watching you live so far below your means. It's time for you to hear a certain sound from your spiritual leader. It's time for pastor to declare clearly to you right now. And if after this you continue not to tithe, I won't call you a rebel. I'll just call you faithless because you don't believe that God will do what he said he will do. So let's go back to our illustration here. The first question was pretty easy. How much is the tithe? Now, my question is, if one of these dollar bills is the tithe, which one of those dollar bills is the tithe? The first one. So which one's the first? The one on the left or the one on the right? Is it the one on the left or the one on the right? Okay, here, I'm going to help you understand this by telling you a little story. You get your paycheck on Friday, and you go and you buy the groceries. And you write out a check and pay the mortgage. You send your insurance and car payment in. And then when you come in on Sunday, you write out a check for your tithe. Even if you gave 10%, have you really given the first fruit? So the first fruit, now let's go back to our illustration. It's not the one on the right or the left, but it's the first one that is spent or given that is the first fruit. Of those bills, whatever first one gets given or spent of what God increases is the first fruit. Amen. So the first money spent or given represents my first fruit. And when I get paid, the first check that I write or the first money that I give should be my tithe check. This is the principle. Then you're redeeming the rest. Each time I get paid and then you're redeeming the rest. Is it really faith to give 10% after all your bills have been paid? Uh-uh. It's faith when you obey God. What does it say about our priorities when we willingly pay everyone else first and then see if there's enough left over to give God what rightfully belongs to Him? The first portion we spend should be our tithes. This is why it's called first fruit or the redemptive portion. 
The first portion has the power to redeem the rest, not the last portion. The first portion, amen. See, as I was studying this and getting this understanding of revelation, it brought conviction to my heart because I realized that I was not heartily doing what God told me to do. Well, I, actually I was, but I wasn't conscious of it and thinking about it. That I was going to give very first, the first portion to redeem the rest. Look at Romans chapter 11 verse 16 says, and we're wrapping up here. For the, if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. The New Living Translation says, the entire batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering is holy. The first fruit redeems the rest. If the first fruit is not given, then the lump is not redeemed and it is not holy. The entire portion is redeemed by the first portion. When you give the first portion, it is the trigger for the blessing. Amen? And the tither says, I've got a stack of bills here, but I'm going to give God first and trust Him to bless the rest of the lump. Right. God asked Abraham for his first son, the son of promise, not the one he manipulated, his first son Isaac. And God didn't wait until he had five or six sons and say, now bring me one of them. God said, give me the first when that's all you got. This is faith. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And faith is exactly what tithing requires. True tithing requires faith. And if God, you say, is first in your life, it must show up in your expenditures and in your checkbook. See, Satan loves to come with fear and unbelief and say, you're going to go broke. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose all your stuff. Your marriage is going to fail. Disease is going to come. And you can say, listen here, buddy. I refuse what you've got to say. I'm a tither. God promised he was going to rebuke the devourer for my sake. God really is first in my life and he will redeem and protect everything else. I'm talking about the blessed life, the whole lump of my life being blessed when I put God first. Is he first? Is he first? Is he first? Is he first in my life? Is he first in my finances? Is he first in my time? That's what it's all about. Is God first in my life? He says I won't have any other position. I must be first. God doesn't need you to give. God wants you to learn to trust him and to watch his blessings begin to flow. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Gentleman gave me a testimony the other day. Said he hadn't been consistent and faithful with his tithes. And because the check was direct deposited, it was hard for him to really tell when it was coming in and what was in there. He stopped direct deposit. I'm not saying you have to stop direct deposit, but he said, I'm going to get the check. I'm going to take it and deposit it, and I'm going to write the first check or take, actually take the cash out first to bring as my tithe to the Lord. I'm going to sit back and watch God begin to open up the doors of his blessings in that life. Amen. It's going to be amazing to watch. I know there are other people that there is, uh, it's happened in the past, and we even have people today that do it. Through the United Way, there are certain... Um, businesses, if you work for them, if you're employed by them, 
that allow you to make your charitable contributions very first with your check. It doesn't even show up on your check. It's taken out. And then uh, they send a lump sum to wherever you earmark it, which would be the house of the Lord. There are people that do this, and you could check and see if that's available. But the point is you've got to learn and get in the practice if you want the blessing of God being first in your life. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 16.1 says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Paul is saying we should give every week on the first day of the week as we prosper or in proportion to the size of our paycheck. He says, then there will be no more gatherings when I come. You won't have to take up special offerings for needs because, remember, it was mounded up and stacked so high in the house of the Lord. Can you imagine what the church could do if every member faithfully gave 10%? to the house of God and the remaining 90% was blessed and redeemed can you imagine people let's put God first in our lives it's not about a, a law or legalism it's about the heart and the attitude of putting God first the first thing I'm going to do every time I get paid is to honor God and we are to pass down this principle as well to our children Exodus 13, 14 says, check this out. So it shall be when your son asks you in times to come saying, what is this? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of the man and the firstborn of the beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb and all the firstborn of the sons that I redeem. When your kids come along and you're writing out your tithe check or putting things in your envelope, tithe envelope, preparing to give to the Lord the first fruits, and they say, what are you doing, Dad? What's that envelope? Why are you writing that big check to the church? You say, listen, I want to tell you about what God did for me. God has blessed me. God has redeemed me. God has turned my life around. And from this day forward, you watch and see, I'm putting him first. First in my life. Let's bow our heads right now. I want to pray for a second. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord God, that its principles are so beneficial to us. They're life-changing. And they make such a transformation in us. I thank you, Lord God, that you outline so clearly and help us to understand this principle of honoring you by giving you what belongs to you. Praying today in the name of Jesus that you administer to each of our hearts. Give us not just an inspiration, but a conviction, Lord God, so that our faith can be built, built up and we can move into that area of blessing that you have for us. God, there are a lot of principles in your word that pertain to blessing. But first things are first. God, I want to get this right. 
I want to serve you and put you first and I want to do it with joy I want to do it heartily and cheerfully and I want to do it in faith and I want to watch you redeem the rest in the name of Jesus Malachi 3.10 says bring all bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and notice it says prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts God says test me only time in the Bible where God ever says test me prove me now herewith says the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field none of it's going to be wasted none of it's going to be stolen none of it's going to be destroyed says the Lord of hosts God says I'm going to watch out for your vine I'm going to watch out for your plants God's saying I'm going to watch out for your finances and your investments I'm going to watch out for it and all nations shall call you blessed for you shall be a delightsome land saith the Lord of hosts this is God's guarantee it's a guarantee from God it's very simple God says test me prove me see if I will not do what I promised that I would do I'm going to take care of you if you sow in this manner you will reap and together with the word of God I want to offer to you a challenge offer a challenge to you today members of Life Church those that call this church your home church my challenge to you is to start right now say for the next 90 days why 90 days well that's a season <laughs> 90 days is a season and you sow and then in the next season you begin to reap you'll begin to reap immediately but for the ni next 90 days make this commitment to the Lord God said test me and see for the next 90 days I want to challenge you to do what the word of God says and each time you receive increase each time you're paid each time you receive finance to first bring the tithe to the house of the Lord. First. 90 days. All your tithe. The full 10%. Market tithe. Give it with joy. Give it with faith. Give it with expectation that he's going to bless the whole lump. And in 90 days, if you can't see that God is blessing the lump, if you can't see that God has made good on his promise, God and I will return everything that you tithed. You can come to me privately, nothing public. Give it all back. I have enough confidence in the word of God to know that if you do what the word of God says... God is going to bless. Do you believe the word of God? Anybody really, really believe it? Anybody really believe it? 
The Bible says you only, or not the Bible, but I heard someone say that you only believe the part of the Bible that you actually do. Amen. And I believe the Word of God. Let's stand together because I'm going to tell you what I feel in my gut spiritually. This is the beginnings of a spiritual revival. I said, God, I'm tired of fickle people who are uncommitted. God says, you think you're tired of it. God says, it's my job to give you a certain sound as the pastor, as the minister. It's time for you to take that step of faith and commitment to the Lord and let God's blessings begin to flow. The enemy's speaking to you right now. Somebody, the enemy's shouting in your ear right now, saying, you're not going to be able to pay this. You're going to go defunct on this. This is going to be messed up. The enemy is a liar. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. This is a principle of faith. This is first things first. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Join hands with somebody near you right now because I feel the Holy Spirit here right now. I know that God's spoken to us from his word. say well my tithe is not as much as that other person's tithe yes it is it's the same it's 10% they may make $100,000 you may make $20,000 but your tithe is the same it's 10% Lord Jesus I thank you for your word I thank you Jesus for the promises that you're going to enable us to live a blessed life and in this world Lord God I know there are tough things happening I know the economy's crazy all the more Lord Jesus we need your favor and blessing Lord God on each of it Lord you're so kind to us Lord God as you've given us everything but only required of us a tenth and I thank you for that Lord Jesus and I joyfully return it to you Lord God and with joy Lord Jesus for the purpose of multiplication I give offerings as well but in the name of Jesus I pray Lord let something settle into the spirit of those who have heard the word let faith be mixed with the word right now come on mix your faith with the word if you have to speak these words speak them the words are i believe it i believe the word i believe what's been preached just say it mix faith with it right now you may just need to say amen i believe it amen so let it be i believe the word of god i believe this principle in scripture i believe what god's telling me right now because when your faith is mixed with the word of god it becomes a conviction mix your faith with it right now you've heard truth you've heard truth from the word mix faith with it God, I pray for my brother and my sister, Lord Jesus. Let something be stirred and shifted in them. Come on, something's breaking in this place right now. In the arena of your faith, God's changing something. God's transforming you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I see, I see in the spirit right now. I see in the spirit someone whose spirit has been closed in like a rose that's never been opened. It's a selfishness that's been hunkering in. It's a fear-based selfishness of, am I going to have enough? But right now, in the Spirit, because of your faith and obedience, something is opening up. Something's opening up in your whole spirit right now. 
Hallelujah. Through this openness, God's going to be able to bless you. God's going to be able to favor you. God's going to be able to do a work in your life. Come on, let it open. My fists have been clenched so tightly, Lord God. I've been so worried and stressed out. But God, I'm going to open it up right now. I'm opening my hands to worship you, Jesus. I'm opening my hands to favor you, Lord God. I want your blessing in my life. Hallelujah. I want your favor on everything that I do. I give it up to you, Jesus. I honor you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, young people. I want you to let God speak to you. I want you to let God speak to you. Come on, this principle works in your life. When you're a teenager, when you got a part-time job, it works. It works. Hallelujah. It works when you're going through college and scraping money together to try to make it. The tenth belongs to the Lord. And God says, I'll bless the rest. Get it, get it, get it, get it. Come on, parents. Make a commitment to teach this principle to your kids. Don't let them live in ignorance and be destroyed through a lack of knowledge. Let them live in victory as well. Pass on a blessing to the next generation. Lift up your voice and shout unto God. Lift up your voice and cry out to Him. Jesus, I believe your word. Jesus, I believe the truth. I feel a spirit of prophecy in the house right now. It's very, very unique that after a sermon like this, I feel a spirit of prophecy, but I feel a spirit of prophecy in this place right now. God's ready to unleash blessing and anointing. Some of you have wanted to win a soul. God's going to open a door for you to be a soul winner when you put him first in your life. Hallelujah. First in finances is just part of it, but it's the toughest part. And when you jump that hurdle, the rest falls into line. God, I want you to be first. God, I want your blessings in favor upon me Shatayala. there's been many times I've let you down searching for happiness none to be found to think that the price you paid for me
right now just for a few moments. We're going to pray together before we leave. times have you heard before man I wish I'd have started invested when I was in my 20s instead of waiting till I'm 50 my, my, my joy and my hope is that these young people grab a hold of this principle so that God can bless their lives in the way that he wants to pray for them right now in Jesus name hallelujah pray in Jesus name you'll lay a conviction into the heart young people and young families, Jesus. Your word is true, Lord God. We have trust in you, Jesus. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. My trust is in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah.
praying that you'd open it up right now. Open it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The overflow of your word and the touch of your spirit. Open it up, Lord Jesus. God, I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be generous, Lord. I want to be trusting and full of faith, Lord God. Open it up, Lord God. Open it up, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I believe you. I'm trusting you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I pray as we linger in your presence today, Lord Jesus, and as we leave this place this afternoon, that your blessings and favor would be upon us and that you'd give us your direction, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you, as your word promises, you'll never leave us nor forsake us you'll be with us all the way to the end oh God I take solace in your promise I believe in your promise I put confidence in your promise I know you're going to meet the needs of my family Jesus I know you're going to take care Lord God I'm yours Jesus you're mine I love you you're first God I want you to be first Jesus I want you to be first 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 go with each family Lord God let us walk in commitment with you, Jesus, and see your blessings and glory. Pray your blessings on all of our visitors and guests, the members of the body of Christ, members of Life Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can continue praying. They're going to continue playing softly. You need to leave. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you for being here. Go out and give your best to the Lord this week. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works glorify your Father in heaven.